0: Hi friends, I'm Gwen. And I'm Jessie. Welcome to Talk Bookish to Me, the podcast where friends get together and talk about books. Happy Monday, everyone. Today I am joined by my friend Jesse. Earlier this year, she joined Jacqueline and I for our discussion and Deep Dive of Grown by Tiffany D. Jackson, and I thought she pointed out such interesting things and really made me think, so I figured who better to do this book discussion with me than her. If you follow me anywhere else on the internet, you probably know Jessie too, but just in case, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Jessie, and I have a YouTube channel called Reading with Jess. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's called Reading with Jess as well. Um, But I mostly read thrillers and some horror, and sometimes here and there some romances and things like that.
0: And I am going to have links to your social medias in the notes of today's show. Everybody go follow her. If you like my content... You're going to like her content. (laughs) We actually know each other in real life. So we've been in each other's vlogs and all of that, which is a lot of fun, which I think makes it like episodes that I do with you are like extra special because like we're real life friends as well so in an effort for my listeners to get to know you a little bit better before we jump into the discussion I have three questions for you oh boy so I think I know the answer to the first question what's your favorite read of 2021 so far
1: um that would have to be oh gosh
0: (laughs) I know I'm stumping you (laughs)
1: I think it would have to be between two books. Um, I read The Perfect Marriage by Geneva Rose earlier this year, and I've always just constantly recommended it. It was went viral on TikTok. I highly recommend if you like domestic thrillers with shocking twists. I definitely check that one out. But then recently I just read Rock, Paper, Scissors by Alice Feeney and absolutely loved it, gave it five stars. It really surprised me because Alice Feeney is one of those authors that – everyone loves. And I never really quite got the hype. And then last year or earlier this year, I read his and hers. I was like, okay, I get it. And then this one kind of like blew me away. So between those two, those would be my favorites so far.
0: Question number two, tell me about your TBR in three words. Oh, wow. Okay. Um,
1: so I would say thriller, um, hopeful (laughs) because I really don't know what I'm going to read. Uh, because I'm in like a TBR challenge in our book club that me and you are in. So it's kind of like whatever gets thrown at us. Um, and I would say since we're in October, I would say spooky.
0: Nice. That's a good, good three words there. (laughs) And then what I also find interesting. So I ask this to everybody is like, how do you organize your books and your bookshelves?
1: Um, I used to organize it all by color, but my bookshelf has really overgrown, so I actually have a separate bookshelf, which I have all of my, like, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't want to say favorites, because it's not my favorites, but I have, like, all of my Stephen Kings, including my mom's that she's gifted me. I have my original Harry Potters, and then I have, like, books from my favorite authors. Like, I have all the Riley Sager books. Um, I have the Carolyn Kepnes U series. All the Chevy Stevens are over there, too. I haven't read all of them, so I can't really say they're my favorites, but... So that's how I kind of organize it. I try to keep my colorful one as my TBR, but there are books on there that I've read. So, and then I try to unhaul them if I didn't like them or I just know I'm not getting to them. So,
0: so it sounds like your it's not like your favorite shelf, like you said, but it's like your, your series mm-hmm. slash authors that you have multiple books. Of
1: right. Yeah. And, oh, and Colleen Hoover, I forgot to mention her.
0: Yeah, of course. Yes. She's on that shelf. Gotta have Colleen <laughs> Hoover. <laughs> All right. It's book discussion time. The beginning will be spoiler free for those that wanted to check in and hear our brief thoughts. I'll let you know before we hop into spoilers. So the book we're going to be discussing today, of course, the final girl support group. Um, It was published July 13th of this summer, 2021. It's a horror novel that follows a group of heroines to die for from the brilliant New York Times bestselling author of The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, Grady Hendrix. And the author, Grady Hendrix, is an award-winning novelist and screenwriter living in New York City. He's the author of Horror Store, My Best Friend's Exorcism, We Sold Our Souls, And like I said, the New York Times bestselling novel, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, which is being adapted into a series by Amazon Studios. Grady also authored the Bram Stoker award-winning nonfiction book, Paperbacks from Hell, a history of the horror paperback boom of the 70s and the 80s. You can listen to free podcasts of his fiction on Pseudopod. He also does a podcast called Super Scary Haunted homeschool. And everything about Grady Hendrix to me just drips horror. And it feels like it's like a genuine passion of his it doesn't feel like fake or made up or just something he's like slightly dipping his toes into like he's all in with horror. So my first question is, have you read any other books by Hendrix?
1: I actually haven't this would be my first um, I've actually checked out the southern book club's guide to slaying vampires but actually never got around to it and I didn't want to get charged the library fee so I've returned it
0: so I have read the southern book club's guide to slaying vampires which I really enjoyed okay and it was crazy because it's a chunkier book than I typically read the mm-hmm. books that I typically read are around like 300 maybe 350 pages and that's kind of on the longer side but this one was like almost 400 pages mm-hmm. and I flew through it in a day Wow! Um, I rated it four stars I really liked it um, it's definitely a book I could consider like picking up again and rereading okay. loved it thought it was funny and the story was just really interesting as well there are some things in there that like definitely grossed people out more than it did me mm-hmm. but I just thought it was a really well done story I do have my best my best friend's exorcism on my TBR okay um, so I am interested in that one but none of his other backlist really intrigues me enough to worry about like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go searching for his backlist titles like some other authors that I do that for Um but I will be on the lookout for like new stuff that he has coming out yeah one thing that I heard like leading up to like us reading this for the podcast is people were like if you like slasher movies, you're probably going to like it. If you don't like slasher movies, you're probably not going to like it. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Do you like slasher movies?
1: I grew up watching them.
0: I definitely love them, but I haven't really... I When I was thinking about this, I was like, I love slasher movies. But I was like, I haven't really watched that many of like the classic popular ones, like oh, yeah. Friday the 13th, Halloween, things like that. Um when I was a young girl, I caught like bits and pieces late at night when I would spend the night at my grandma's house, because like we would sleep in the same bed, you know, Mm -hmm. and she would watch those things. So I was still awake. So I would watch those things. (laughs) Um, But as I grew up, I just never kind of kept up with the franchises because I'm one of those people just like with books, I have to start at book number one and work my way through the series. Even with authors, I like to kind of if i've never read from them before i like to start at the beginning of their work and progress through like in publication order mm-hmm. unless there's like another way you should read them so same thing with movies i don't think i could just jump into the new halloween movie coming out i mean yes i probably could but me i want to start at halloween just the regular plain, and number one movie and then watch them in order so same I say I'm a fan, but am I really? <laughs> Probably
1: not. Well, there's something about like the whole like 80s, 90s. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they're cheesy sometimes, and like sometimes like the sequels are just awful. But that's what mm-hmm. makes them great about them. And then like I, per- like you, I have not watched any of the newer stuff, like any of the newer ha- Halloween's. I think the new Rob Zombie movies were the furthest I've went
0: it's not that I mind watching those Mm -hmm. movies by myself, but I, just because of my schedule and how busy I am, Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of free me time. My free me time goes to reading books. Mm -hmm. So outside of that, I like to spend it with like friends, my husband, you know, family, stuff like that. And and our favorite thing to do isn't sitting down and watching scary movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm already behind on my, normal like tv shows and movies that I watch so slasher films have kind of taken a back seat but I am hoping to catch some this spooky season so let's cross our fingers for that
1: yeah my husband <laughs> is the biggest scaredy cat when it comes to movies so he won't watch them so I typically watch them when he's not home and which is the big mistake because then I can't <laughs> sleep that night but um yeah I typically have to watch him by myself because none of my like local friends watch them either. So I'm just the weird one that likes death and gore and all that stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm wondering if you felt like your thoughts on the book were impacted by like your knowledge or lack of knowledge of slasher films. Um, I
1: think I caught a lot of movie references in this book. Um, like way more than one or two. Um, so I was constantly comparing classic slasher movies to this book and I think it kind of affected my enjoyment, but we'll see. (laughs) What about you?
0: I don't think it did for me. Um, Like I said, Maybe if you did have more slasher film knowledge, it could help or hurt depending. Um, but since I don't have like a good knowledge of the classics or at least the references that he used in this book, um, it didn't really affect my enjoyment. But I think if you're like a diehard slasher fan and you've watched all the movies and you know the ins and outs and know all of the people and know all of the backstories, that could help yeah. or it could hurt. Who would you recommend this book to?
1: Um, that is a great question. Um personally I feel like because I do like the classic slasher films, I don't know how I would recommend that to someone else who likes slasher films. Um but I think if you liked Final Girls by Riley Sager, you might like this one. But I don't know. It's kind of a hard one to to like pinpoint like who specifically would like this one. But I think if you like slasher films, I don't think it's gonna hurt giving it a try
0: fans of slasher movies would like this they're just gonna obviously have to separate it that this is a book version of all those movies that you love Mm -hmm. um i think people new to horror might like this because it's not too horrifying to me Mm -hmm. but it has enough like horror elements that i think that they would like like light gore chasing scenes action you know the final girl trope um So if you like the final girl trope and you want to read about it instead of watching it on the big screen, here's your opportunity. I also say if you're a Grady Hendrix fan and you just want to read all of his books, obviously he wrote this one. You're going to want to read it.
1: I would also say if you are interested in horror but not like into like the supernatural paranormal type of horror, um, then you might like this too.
0: So I have mentioned several times that I'm a newbie to the horror genre. So I know I missed so many of the Easter eggs that Hendrix sprinkled throughout the story. Um, You said you were able to pick up on references of different like movies and stuff like that. So which ones did you like pick up on?
1: Um, So let me just start off by saying there's a lot of characters. So my notes could be a little bit wrong. But (laughs) you have one person who... The classic went camping at a summer camp and got slashed. I would say that would be Friday the 13th. Jason, if you know the reference. Um, There was one person um, who the murderer was considered the ghost. And I kind of got screamed because of the ghost face reference to towards it and then you had another one who was um babysitting or like their babysitter got murdered that kind of gives me halloween vibes um from the very beginning of halloween let's see then you had another person who was like had a weird thing about leather so i was getting leather face the texas chainsaw massacre vibes out of that one and then you had another person who kept referring to the dream dream king and i was getting freddy Krueger vibes out of that one
0: i absolutely missed every single really? reference or easter egg i mean they were like it was like reminiscent, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? But I didn't like, no. And I couldn't be like, oh, that's like that movie or, Mm -hmm. oh, that's that. Um, So like I said, it goes back to what I said earlier about me being a fake (laughs) fan. Um, But I did want to share some of the um, Easter eggs that were included, but we'll get into that in the spoiler section. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned. But I thought this would be a fun question what would be your top three essential tools that you would need as a final girl living out in the world now? What three essential tools would you need?
1: Oh my gosh, this is a hard question.
0: (laughs) I'm coming with the hard questions. Uh,
1: Like from the aftermath, I guess like I would definitely say like some kind of security system or surveillance type footage and things like that with where I live. Um, I would say definitely a reliable car to get away in case something happens. And I would say my dogs, so they can
0: bark if anyone enters the house. (laughs) Oh, I love that answer. (laughs) That's such a Jesse answer you guys don't even know. (laughs) I love it. So my three tools would be a good nest egg of money because I never know when I'm gonna have to like get up and go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So money, um, a weapon of some kind, because if we get in close quarters, I may have to take somebody down. And I think like after, especially after reading this book, I need at least one person that I can trust, whether it be like a friend or my husband or somebody that I can trust that I know is not the person out to get me. So money, weapon, a person I can trust. (laughs) I didn't
1: even think about a weapon. I'm just like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) give me that card. Give me my (laughs) dog. Give me that security system. I'm. Love it. Another thing that I like to do on this podcast, I've been doing it since the very first book discussion. I've been pairing the book with a signature cocktail. And this time is no different. I usually share what I've chosen at the end of the episode. um, But then I feel like if people haven't read the book yet, they're just, you know, wanting to listen to the non-spoiler section. I'm like, this cocktail is too good to pass up. (laughs) I want to share it right now. So the Final Girls Support Group signature cocktail is... A s'mores campfire cocktail. I mean, come on. It sounds How... so good. And, okay, number one, it looks delicious. I think it's the perfect, like, campy slasher. I mean, because when I think final girls, I think campy slashers. Um, So what better pairing than a s'mores-inspired drink? Um, I am going to have the recipe on our Instagram, so go check that out. But quickly. Oh, and another thing I like about this recipe is that you can change it up. So it calls for two ounces of vanilla vodka, but if you don't have vanilla vodka, use regular vodka. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Two ounces of almond milk or any preferred milk. So if you want to use eggnog instead of milk or coconut milk or just whole milk or whatever, use that. One ounce of Irish cream liquor like Bailey's or Carolyn's. You could also use Kahlua instead. One tablespoon of hot chocolate powder. Yes. And then (laughs) garnished like crushed graham crackers chocolate sauce and marshmallows oh my gosh <laughs> so you crumble the graham crackers on a plate you rim the glasses with the chocolate syrup and dip the glass in the graham crackers you shake all of the other ingredients in a shaker with ice pour over the ice garnish and serve and guys it looks so good i can't wait to share pictures on instagram with you guys definitely check it out um and if you decide to mix up one make sure that you tag us and let me know so i can see your creation
1: I think if you toasted the marshmallow before oh, putting in the yeah. drink, oh man! Oh I, my goodness! Can you I really back? want like, one.
0: <laughs> I know you could like make these drinks and have a slasher movie night. <gasps> so
1: that fun. would be so cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I want everybody to do that this Halloween season. <laughs> um, we've had some fun, but now it's time to get to the nitty gritty. We'll be discussing things in depth. So expect possible spoilers ahead. All right, so let me get into those Easter eggs that I was talking about. Hendricks said, if you're a normal person, you'll read the final girl support group for the story. If you're a weirdo like me, some of it will feel vaguely familiar. That was me. It was like that vague, familiar feeling. A name here a situation there. You aren't wrong. I figured if I was writing a book that revolved around slasher movies like Friday the 13th and Scream, then I was gonna pack it in with callouts, references and Easter eggs. The name for Dr. Carol L. Elliott. Um, so it says the two Dr. Carol's Dr. Carol Elliot gets her names from two places. First, she's named after the other famous Dr. Carol, um, who is Dr. Carol Clover, a professional of medieval studies at the University of California Berkeley. She wrote the 1992 book men, women and chainsaws that first popularized the term final girl as the name of the female survivor in a slasher movie. Nice. So I thought that was super cool. Oh, yeah. And then the other part of her name, the other half, came from um, Dr. Robert Elliot, one of the worst big screen therapists of all time, played by Michael Caine in a 1980 slasher dressed to kill. Caine's Dr. Elliot turns out to be a straight, razor-wielding, cross-dressing killer called Bobby. So he combined their names to tip the hat to the woman who came up with the concept of the final girl, while also tipping off readers who've seen too many movies that Dr. Carol, like Dr. Robert Elliott, might have had something to hide. All right, the next one is that gnome coming. And this bothered me so much, cause I was like, I know this is important, but I literally have no idea why, and it wasn't until I saw this um, provided by Grady Hendrix. So between 1975 and 1982, Canadian producers were allowed to deduct 100% of their production costs from their taxes, resulting in about 350 tax shelter films getting filmed north of the border. One of which was Bob Clark's tornado shot, Black Christmas, that was in 1974, which kick-started the slasher genre. Oh. Did not know that. Since then, Canadian tax shelter movies have given us genre classics like Prom Night, 1980, and My Bloody Valentine, 1981. And I had to have at least one Canadian final girl. Enter Chrissy Mercer and her homecoming night massacre flick, Gnomecoming. Coming. Um there were also the Santa Claus slashers And then, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned, he's a huge fan of the Scream franchise, and Julia is his small tribute to Nev Campbell's performance as Sidney Prescott in that series. Now, some of the names that he mentioned is in the final chapter of the book. There's like a list of people killed um, in the Camp Red Lake Massacre, and he said that he wants to see if you recognize where those names come from. So I looked them up. I could not, like, (laughs) do this and not no, so I have the hardcover book, and Same. I'm going to try to find where it was. started on page 337 of the hardcover, and it went to 338. So it was like Jack Burrell, Brenda Jones, Marcy Stanler, Edna Hawke, Julius Gall, Amanda Shepard, and all of those characters were killed in Friday the 13th. I think the first two, maybe the first three were the first original Friday the 13th, like Jack Barrow, who was stabbed in the throat. Brenda was stabbed in the chest. Um, Marcy was hit in the face with an axe. And then some of the other ones came from like, later movies. But yeah, these are all people that were killed off in Friday the 13th movies and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, see, I would have, I don't remember like um, actors names and movies that yeah. well anyway. So when he's throwing these names at me, I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> so I thought that was very, very interesting. So yeah, there's definitely Easter eggs out there for you to pick up on some that I named some that I didn't. But I just thought that was so interesting. Like you said, mm-hmm. how much research he put into this. So now let's get into the characters, specifically the women of the final girl support group, Marilyn, Adrienne, Danny, Lynette, Heather, and Julia, and the therapist, Dr. Carol. Were there any characters you specifically liked or disliked?
1: Um, Personally, I was not a fan of any of them. And as I was reading the or listening to the audiobook, they all kind of sounded the same. So, without taking notes, and like, and again, there's like a bunch of them. I think it's like mm-hmm. seven of them, and mm-hmm. then including the doctor. Yeah, I actually ended up having to take notes. I would say Lynette would probably be the only character that I did like. Um, but they all kind of sounded the same. I really didn't connect with any of them. I mean, I know I'm not a final girl, um, but. I really didn't feel a connection between any of them. But if I had to pick, I would say Lynette. But, of course, we're reading
0: through her eyes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Everybody. I thought she was a wild character to follow. Yes. And she was just kind of, I don't even know. Um, I will say, I was totally freaked out by Chrissy or Crazy Chrissy, as she was referred to in the book. She's the one where like she lived in that cabin in the woods or something like that. And then there was that guy Keith, which was like basically like her lapdog. They were terrifying to me. And then she's leading Lynette through her museum. Uh uh-uh. no I would have been out of there so freaking fast like no thing and just the things that she was saying like it takes you to a spiritual journey yeah, I was no. like girl you're about to die can you please get out of there like it was freaking me out the only other character that stood out to me is Marilyn mm-hmm. uh, because she just seemed so southern to me like yes. she was a southern belle through and through like pearls sweet tea and grits for breakfast let's talk about Lynette for a second if you had to describe Lynette in three words what would they be
1: paranoid (laughs) slightly crazy (laughs) um but I would say prepared though
0: okay my three words erratic reckless and lonely (laughs) I mean come on when you have a pet plant yes named (laughs) fine that's a new level of lonely guys and she would talk
1: to the plant i was just like
0: i know (laughs) i mean it was a i'm a plant person i'm a plant mom but i don't quite get that lonely you know they're my plants (laughs) they are not my friends
1: well there was the part where like she had to leave the apartment and she's like worried about her plant i'm like girl (laughs) (laughs) there are bullets (laughs) He is fine.
0: (laughs) I know. But now on the flip side, what three words do you think Lynette would use to describe herself?
1: Self-centered. Because, like, I mean, she is worried about herself and herself only.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, She proved that time and time again. I
1: kind of feel like she's a little arrogant, too. Like, kind of like yes, I know, I know how to do this. And I have a plan A and a plan B and a plan C and like all this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, those are the only two I can really think of. But I mean, she, I mean, I feel like those two cover her completely.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think that how I would describe her and how she would describe herself completely different. So remember I said that she would describe herself as erratic, reckless, and lonely. I think she would describe herself as smart, cunning, and dependable which is all like the complete opposite and that's what I really got from her character because in the beginning she was all like I watch everybody's shoes to make sure that they're not following me and all of this and then she's like I have this cage on my door to make sure that if they get in that they don't get past this cage and I have the car to get away and I have the nest egg of money and I have the what? and then when things really got tough she was like a chicken running around on a head she was like oh my gosh what (laughs) I was like girl I thought you were prepared I thought you were smart and dependable and cunning
1: (laughs) I know I I thought the same thing because I was like you had a plan I mean granted like all of her plans didn't really go to plan but I was like you should be thinking on your a-game and she wasn't
0: she she was a crazy character to follow and she did get on my nerves at times but it was like what made it such a wild ride for me was like following her Um, I will agree with you earlier. You said a lot of the other characters kind of ran together. Um, I do think that they didn't have enough differences that it just felt like they were all lumped together. Their stories all sounded the same and I would get them mixed up like who was who and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I agree with you there. So I know the book was released in the summer, but for some reason the setting was in autumn in Los Angeles. Do you think that had any impact on the story or did it matter to you at all?
1: Personally, I don't think it really mattered, but when I think of like slasher films, I think of, unless they're at like a summer camp, I think of like late summer, early autumn. So maybe that was why, but it personally didn't have an effect on me.
0: Yeah, it didn't impact it for me either. Um, but I had a couple of like brief thoughts about it. So how were all of these final girls living in LA? I was just like, I've never heard of, I was like, I've never heard of a final girl in real life other than outside the movies. So how did this LA town, you know, have all of these final girls? Um, so all of this, you know, living in the same city, um also wouldn't that be a bad idea to corral all of the final Mm -hmm. girls in one city that just spells disaster in my opinion um and marilyn was definitely southern but i don't remember like where she was specifically from and i don't know or remember if they said where different characters were from if they just like moved to la from different places or what the book was released in summer but set in autumn i thought that was a weird choice like you said like campy slashers I think summer so why not just set it in summer Mm -hmm. and also I don't know LA just didn't fit the vibe for me for some reason I don't know yeah and isn't autumn in LA like any other time of year like warm and sunny so I'm like did it really did you really have to say on that cool autumn day in LA like what that doesn't even make sense to me plot and pacing what did you think about that
1: I thought the pacing at the very beginning was kind of like all over the place But I kind of feel like that kind of reflected on Lynette's character because she was kind of like all over the place. But I thought the pacing was fine um, once it kind of like, you know, set the scene of the story as we got to know the characters and things like that. I felt like the pacing was better. But I felt like at the very beginning, it was just like, okay, I feel like I'm thrown into this way too quickly.
0: I was kind of the opposite. I did think the pacing was great. Um, A tiny bit at the beginning to get us started. But the action pretty much started right away once Lynette got back to her apartment. I hate when books dump a bunch of information and characters on me at the beginning. I just think it's too much. Um, They did introduce them like quickly, briefly to me, but they didn't say like, this is Marilyn and she's from this and this is what she looks like and this is her backstory. I hate when books do that because I just feel like at that point, I don't know who's important and who's not. So I'm keeping all of that information in. And the way this set it up is it just really told me about Lynette. Like Lynette's the important character Mm -hmm. and these other characters may or may not come into play. So I appreciate how the character and their bios and their backstories were included rather at the beginning were as the story progressed instead of that huge like info dumping in the beginning um i also really enjoy when books go like back and forth on who done it and i just i love that because especially if it's a believable back and forth if i'm just like you know it's not this person but in this one they went back and forth like oh my gosh it's dr carol (laughs) And then they were like, oh, no, it's one of the guys that got out of prison or mm-hmm. whatever. And then they started, like, expecting, like, each other. And then, like, I just love that because I was like, oh, my gosh, it is somebody. Someone got out of jail. Or, oh, my gosh, there's a copycat killer. Or, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, it's Dr. Carol. Or, you know, I really did have, every time it switched and said something, I was like, oh, it totally is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm so. I'm very gullible when it comes to, like, the... I guess like Who Done It like switches a lot i'm like oh mm-hmm. you're totally right it's so them i knew it from the beginning <laughs> i'm very gullible when it comes to reading stuff like that even with movies too i love when it switches but sometimes it's a little bit too much when it does it too much but i feel like this book didn't overdo it
0: as far as the writing goes one thing i heard from other readers and reviewers is that this one didn't feel like classic grady hendrix Um, I'm personally not sure what they mean by that because it's only my second Hendrix novel and this is your first. Yeah. I don't have anything Um, to compare it to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So from what I've read and I basically have picked up two main things about this author. Like I said before, he's a massive horror fan. And number two, he's extremely funny. And this is based on things that I've read online, videos I've seen, like I said, other readers and other reviewers and the books that I have read. Um, obviously, this is reminiscent of a classic slasher horror, usually seen in movies. So I can definitely see the inspiration. Uh, but it wasn't quite as lighthearted and funny as I remember the Southern Book Club's guide being It did have some hilarious one-liners though. So what did you think about just like the writing in general? Um,
1: I had heard that Grady Hendrix is funny and I didn't really catch that on this book. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm not (laughs) funny. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'm not getting the jokes, but then I'm glad you said that because you felt the same way. But I mean, I liked his writing. I liked the references and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think his writing was fine. I, I definitely want to pick up other things by this author, definitely. I think the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, that's such a long title. I think I'm going to pick that one up next. i um, not sure when, but I've, I mean, I'm curious to keep seeing his writing. I think his writing's great from what I can tell.
0: Yeah, it's funny that he had books come out before that one, but that's the one that like people really gravitated to for some mm-hmm. reason. So yeah, I... I-
1: it felt I like it went it. very popular last year.
0: Yeah, definitely. So now we're going to get into some of our favorite quotes or passages, if you have any. And I just wanted to share like kind of two of those funny one-liners. So in my book, like I said, I have the hardcover. The mm-hmm. first one is on page 13. And it says, don't you dismiss me, Heather Explode. I've handled crap you can't even dream about. I've dealt with some higher level astral bullshit that would make you drop a log in your satin panties. And I was like, oh my gosh. That was just like so funny to me. And the other one um, is on page 117. Let me find that. Let me tell you what I'm going to do, Heather says. I'm going into that party to speak to my very good motherfucking friend, Miss Marilyn Blake, who pays your motherfucking salary. If you get in my way, I'm going to jump in that pool, whip out my tits, and let this bunch of... Charity Barbies get an eyeful of what natural bees look like and I was like yes so those I was expecting more of that because mm-hmm. I like I said it's been a couple years since I've read the southern book club's guide but I just remember more of that Those like one-liners that come out of nowhere and you're like what I
1: didn't really have any passages that kind of stuck out other than that one um but when they would banter like Although they kinda of seemed very similar when they spoke, their banter to one another was hilarious. And I was just like 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 in the beginning they're talking about like cookies not being served at the meeting and I'm like, You You guys have been through so much and
0: you're bantering over cookies not being at the support group meeting. So throughout the book, there are several media pieces. Some seem to pertain to the main story. Some do not. Like I said, they could have been those references that I just like wasn't getting. But one stood out and I thought it would be interesting to bring it up as food for thought. So on page 305, like I said in my book, the hardcover edition, the US hardcover edition, I should say, it's one of the media pieces and it says... But what does it say about us that so much of the entertainment we consume is about killing women? I want you to think about that. How is the murder of women fun? You go to the big new thriller, you finish your popcorn, you go out for dinner, you talk about the plot twists with your friends. It's just another part of your evening out. But no one brings that one that woman safely home. Her body is left back there on the screen while everyone goes on with their lives. Let's think about what that means. Let's talk about what's wrong with us. And I think it's interesting to think about. I thought about it. Um, And I just want to ask you, Mm -hmm. what does it say about us that so much of the entertainment we consume is about killing women? And why do you think the women in peril trope and slasher films have been so popular over the years? And what does it say about us as a society?
1: That's a hard one. Like, I guess like, I guess why I'm thinking of like the old slasher films, it's always the one girl or one woman that is out there. I mean, not... It's not always women who are out there. There are, like, you know, with a camp, like, there's guys in there too, but they typically are not the final person ever. Um, there's always some kind of, like, backstory as to why it could be, like, a crazy boyfriend or it could be, like, um, Michael Myers. It's actually, like, the brother that's out to get his sister and things like that. I'm not sure specifically why it. it's always women. that are the ones that are getting killed, but... It could just be something how society pictures us women being vulnerable and, like, easy targets. And I'm kind of glad that the women are not the easy targets and there's at least one girl that makes it out alive.
0: Yeah. I look at it, like, two different perspectives. I look at it, like you said, like, is this men writing these movies or these screenwriters writing these movies? Like, saying, like, women are the you know vulnerable ones they're the ones that can be caught up in these situations but then why are they the final girl because they outsmarted everybody else mm-hmm. so it's also showing that they can be smart and cunning and dependable and crafty and make it out that they're stronger than they appear mm-hmm. also as an actress being the final girl you have the most screen time so that's pretty awesome true <laughs> i would very think. true um, as far as like leaving the girl behind on screen, like I'm someone that separates fact from fiction. So I never think I'm contributing to the societal thing that Hendrix is alluding to here. Maybe because I do separate, it means that I am directly the person he's talking about. <laughs> However, I do believe that maybe female deaths are remembered more than the male deaths. And that's also worth thinking about. Yeah. So I looked up some of the stats and I just went with the two friday the 13th movies friday the 13th and friday the 13th part two so on friday the 13th there are four female deaths in that movie and there are five male deaths in friday the 13th part two there are three female deaths and seven male deaths wow so that's just an example. So, like mm-hmm. you said, in those campy slasher movies, there's guys there too, and they're yeah. dying just as much. So, I so I almost do think that it's good that the women are getting these roles that are the better roles, you know, quote unquote roles, because they're the one that people are talking about when they leave the theater. So as like a part, like an actress, if you look at it from an actress point of view, you're like, hey, they're getting the best role. And then if you're thinking like, who is writing these stories, they're showing women as being the powerhouses to get out of these situations and survive these crazy things. And then, like I said, it's just the women that people are remembering over the guys, even though guys are dying more. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's all food for thought. Definitely. Um feel free to chime in on Instagram and let us know what you think about that. I just thought it was really, really interesting. Yeah.
1: And actually, after you said that, like, I don't think the movies or the stories would be as good if they had a final boy or guy or like, it just wouldn't have the same impact.
0: Plot twist, since we were mentioning plot twists, I love mm. talking about plot twists. I oh, mean, yeah. that's like, <laughs> we read thrillers, guys. So <laughs> we love it. Um, So which plot twists did you see coming which ones were shocking
1: so like you said it switches quite a bit but I would say the therapist's son was shocking to me because I like I was like there's no way that this like because he was like barely he was like 20 21 or yeah, something like that yeah I was, like there's no way that I mean I see how it could happen but the fact that he was in on it and like was helping and things like Mm -hmm. that like that's just mind-blowing but then like after i thought about i was like oh yeah i should have seen that coming too
0: yeah i was definitely shocked that stephanie that poor little defensive stephanie was in on it and then like you said the therapist son i shouldn't have been shocked but I didn't suspect him at all. And it's like, maybe if I watched more Slasher films, I would know it's always the person that's helping you out. Yeah, That is part of it. So I was definitely shocked by that. I was also shocked that it was Lynette that was writing a book, giving away all of this backstory about all of these people. I was just like, wow, okay, why would you do that? And then put it, in a vulnerable state where other people could find it. Like, I don't know. I was shocked by that too.
1: Stephanie, like, I kind of saw that coming a little bit because I've always been told, like, it's always the quiet ones. I kinda... Oh,
0: man. I didn't see it coming because she was playing it, like, so good. And, mm-hmm. like, poor me. Like, I'm injured. Help me. And Lynette was, like, helping her so much. And then when they went to Chrissy's house, she's, like, telling Stephanie, like, you stay in the car. I'm going to go in. But if I don't come back in, like, so many minutes, you have to, like, do whatever mm-hmm. she told her to do. So about the ending, what did you think about the ending?
1: Um, it was just okay. Um, I felt like once everything was revealed, I was just like, okay, okay. It kind of all <laughs> makes sense. Like why this is happening? Why, you know, person A and person B are doing this. And it just like, I don't know. I felt like it was just fine. I wasn't like that blown away. Um, cause some of the, like twists and again I'm very vulnerable but like it also wasn't that shocking to me I'm not vulnerable I'm very gullible yes. but I'm also wasn't that shocked either because like throughout the whole book I was like okay I think it's this person I think it's this person but I think it's this person who's doing it for this person like I don't know my mind's crazy when I think <laughs> who could have done so, it uh,
0: yeah you're like what? <laughs> and I, I do think it was a little let down how they kind of like revealed everything yeah um, I do feel like Sky and Stephanie were equally responsible and to blame even though Lynette claims that Sky groomed Stephanie to do his bidding. Stephanie, like when she was like behind bars or in that mental mm-hmm. hospital or like whatever, she made it clear that she knew what she was doing. Um, I think that the ending did and it and it took me a while to come to this. Um, revelation that it kind of does read like a new slasher film the one where like stephanie claims she's cured that the final girl support helped her mm-hmm. and then she really she's released and she's back at it again mm-hmm. I'm like how crazy would that be right <laughs> <laughs> all right so do you have any final thoughts like anything else you want to touch on
1: um well, like I had told you when I first started reading this, I thought it was really interesting that the narrator for the audiobook was actually an actress that played on the first, uh, what was it? The Friday the 13th movie. Adrian mm-hmm. King is the narrator. I had no clue, and a subscriber of mine told me that, and I was like, what? No way. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but also, I thought the articles, mixed media sections, were interesting, but also I felt like it was a little bit, too much. I was like, I really don't care about this. Um, but I also like the titles for each chapter. I kind of feel like they also represented like some of the movie references, like a new nightmare and stuff like that. Like I thought those were really, really cool.
0: Yeah, that was, I think the other final girls, like the women pretty much are not girls. They're yeah. women now. Yeah. Um, could have been more fleshed out as characters mm-hmm. and separated their pasts a bit more um, because I didn't have those Uh, like references from the slasher films. I couldn't really like separate it in my mind and they seemed to all run together and I couldn't like tell them apart. Mm -hmm. The last thing I want to touch on is the last page of the book. It's like the wrap up portion. I really liked the last paragraph. I think it sums up Lynette's character so well. So I'm going to go ahead. It says... Ever wonder what happens to those final girls after all their plans go belly up and all their weapons fail after their defenses crumble and they've been shot in the head after they've trusted the wrong people, made the wrong choices and opened themselves up to the worst possible moments after their lives are ruined and they're left at 38 years old with nothing in the bank, no kids, no lover and nothing to their name, but a couple of ghosts and a handful of broken down friends. I know what happens to those girls. They turn into women and they live. I really do think that that sums up her character. And I think that she kind of came full circle realizing that I think I have everything together. I think I have all of my, you know, plans in place. And then she saw that, oh, when the going gets tough, I have no idea what I'm doing, but that's okay. I'm still going to get through it. Really, really liked that. So I did love that final paragraph. However, that one liner right above that, (laughs) I don't know why I closed my book because I was going (laughs) to read that too, that says, Stephanie, I say, welcome to the final girl support group. That should have been the final line time you don't really know like what they're doing, like leading up to them, the them bringing them in to her to see Stephanie, you think she's behind bars that they're just there to say ha ha we caught you We're the final girls or at least I did. Um, so if then they would have had that paragraph where Lynette comes full circle, like I realize it, I know what happens to those girls. They turn into women and they live. And then if they would have said, Stephanie, welcome to the final girl support group. I would have lost my mind. I feel like it would have had more like,
1: punch to
0: it yes exactly so it dulled that great line Mm -hmm. and putting it before because you're like now i still have this paragraph to read down here yeah so it should have been flip-flopped but i will excuse it i will excuse it It kind of
1: like if it was flip-flopped it kind of left like on a cliffhanger almost so
0: what's your rating how did you enjoy the book overall and is there any other book or movie that you would compare it to
1: um okay So, I have been debating on this, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to give it a two-star. I wasn't really a fan, Um, and honestly, I think the narrator is like one of the biggest reasons I really could not stand the narration on audiobook for it. I try to read it physically. I felt like I was getting even more confused with the characters and their dynamic and what was going on so I went back to the audiobook. Um so maybe if you read it physically without the audiobook you may enjoy it. Um also I was constantly thinking of all of the movie references and I kind of felt like I was kind of losing the originality of the story, but I can respect Hendrix's I guess, like, salute to all the classic films and things like that. I don't know. I kind of wanted something a little bit more original. But I'm going to blame most of my low rating on the narrator
0: of the audiobook. So, <laughs> Although you make a really good point about that, that it was. I mean, like I said, I don't have those references, so mm-hmm. I wasn't picking up on that. And maybe that's why I enjoyed it more than you did True. because I feel like if I do pick up on things in books, like if you pick up on something that annoys you, it's mm-hmm. something you've dealt with before and you're like, that's not right. Or, yeah. you know, or you're trying to make all these connections. Mm-hmm. So that's a very good point.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, I think I would have enjoyed it if I started physically, but also I was trying to make sure I got this done in yes. time because I also just got back from a beach trip. So I was trying to make sure I didn't bring the book with me. Cause I know I can't read in the car. So I felt like I was putting it down and picking it back up and switching the narrator and things like that. So, but as far as like books and movies, um, as far as books, I would definitely say any of the final girl tropes. Um, the only one I can think of is final girls by Riley Sager. But also I think you might also like um, the last time I lied by Riley Sager. Cause it's got that can't be slasher type vibe or like disappearance things. So I think you would enjoy that. And then as far as movies, any of the 80s, 90s classic movies, um, my personal favorite is The Nightmare on Elm Street. I I don't know what it is, but I love Freddy Krueger. I think his character is so interesting in the dynamics Um, but that one's my favorite.
0: I also really struggled with my rating. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. There were things that I liked and things that I didn't, which typically means three stars for my rating. But I also feel like three stars wasn't reflecting how much I did enjoy it. So I'm going to go with 3.5 stars for this one. Um, and it took me a long time to come to that decision. Even my husband was getting sick of me. <laughs> he was like, just write it, whatever. Like, who cares? <laughs> I was like, I care. The people care. So yeah, I'm giving it 3.5 stars. I did overall enjoy it. I would recommend it to readers who also enjoy slasher movies and maybe someone new to horror that wants action and some gore, but not too much. I don't have any good movies that I would compare it to, but it definitely has me wanting to watch some of those classic 80s slasher films that it references. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. Not as much as the Southern Book Club's guide though. So this is number two for me so far. That concludes our discussion of The Final Girls Support Group by Grady Hendrix. It also happens to be the last book discussion of the year. Thanks for joining me today, Jesse. It's always a pleasure chatting about books with you. Thank you for having me. I love coming on here. Goal to have four new book discussions next year, and I already have a few books in mind. Follow me on Instagram at TalkBookishPodcast and you'll be the first to know which book discussions I'll be doing next. If you'd like to be considered as a special guest in an upcoming episode, fill out the guest interest form found on Instagram at TalkBookishPodcast or email me at TalkBookishPodcast at gmail.com. As always, I appreciate all listener feedback. Leave a review and there's a chance I'll share the review on Instagram. Reviewing the podcast, sharing it with friends and family and tuning in bi-weekly for new episodes helps the podcast grow. If you'd like to suggest a topic, you know where to find me. Don't forget to check out the notes for links to the book, the author's website, and of course, links to Jesse's social media accounts. Until next time, happy reading.